0: and Dutch. dyslexia audio transmission Hello and welcome to another episode of Dis and That, the podcast from the Dyslexia Association of Ireland. We have a really interesting guest uh, coming up and myself and my colleague Eva Anderson who's one of the information officers at Dyslexia Ireland, will be interviewing gronya Ryan, who is a climate action officer with Antashka. And she shares a lot of interesting insights about dyslexia and about how it interacts with her own career. So, as a great man once said, enough of my yapping. The next voice you hear will be Aoife.
1: Welcome, Granya, to this uh, episode of This and That. Um, uh, welcome to the space.
2: Hi, Aoife. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast today.
1: No worries at all. Um, Granny, would you mind um, giving us um, an introduction of who you are and what you do?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm a Climate Action Officer in Antashka's Environmental Education Unit. Um, And my role is kind of split between two programs, Climate Ambassador, which you know, um, and Green Schools. Um, so, yeah, the Climate Ambassador program, we open for applications in September every year. And we usually take on about 200 individuals in January. Um, And the training kind of revolves around basic climate science and solutions. We try to keep it really like bite-sized, quite visual, digestible. Um, There's a huge wide range in our audience from secondary students and teachers, college students, uh, lecturers, and then adults over 18 in the community. Um, And then kind of throughout the year, we'd host these regional and online network gatherings um, or special events like screenings, tree planting days, uh, bog conservation trips, swap shops, lots of different things. Um, and then, kind of in exchange for the training that we provide, we ask every climate ambassador to complete at least two climate actions and two communications um, in their first year with us. So, uh, and most, as you know, most would do a lot more than that. Just to say, Aoife was one of our climate ambassadors last year and was amazing. <laughs>
1: we don't need to put the plugs in so early. Um, but yeah, I think it's a it's a fantastic program, and I suppose that's how I crossed paths with um Grania was through this space um and through kind of the community network, I suppose was was what had guided me to it. And and then in, in that space, um I suppose further kind of conversations came about. Um but would you maybe be able to to bring us back maybe to the space of um I suppose how you got involved in that space but also uh, we're we're in the, the dyslexia conversation and um, space now as well. so mm. um, I it might be good to maybe I suppose know a little bit about your journey to your work um, and how dyslexia you feel maybe uh, informed that or maybe didn't inform that um, You you might let us know.
2: Yeah, I think um, like before I heard this podcast, I definitely didn't consider myself in the dyslexic community at all, um, which is an awful shame. Um, but I think the podcast has been really great. Like listening to other people's stories definitely made me want to be part of it and know that I am part of it. Um, but yeah, my own background so I did social science in UCD, and then I did a master's in environmental policy. Um, <clears throat> And I think I would say my dyslexia in college, like, I think I'm quite lucky in that it it didn't, it didn't really impact me too much. Like just reading tons of PDFs, I found very difficult. But apart from that, like writing essays, I actually kind of weirdly enjoyed. Um, but yeah, I suppose in work, I love that my, I think my dyslexia helps me on the creative side. Um, uh, working in the environmental sector is a lot about like envisioning the future. Because if you couldn't envision the future, you really would have no motivation <laughs> for the job. Um, so I think it really helps with that. And it's a very recent conversation that I've been having. Like I um, didn't really know much wouldn't really have looked into dyslexia too much apart from like how it impacted me in secondary school um so yeah i think i don't know i'm kind of rambling a bit now but um i think it helps me develop resources so the other side of my job is like green schools and teacher training and i think it it gives me an eye for something that will appeal to more people and that will be easier to kind of digest like there'll never be a page of text that's you know impossible to to understand and to even just see um so yeah i kind of hope i think i know yeah it, ha- it helps me with like design as well and um that kind of thing development
0: when did you find out you were dyslexic cronia
2: yeah, so I was told by a teacher um in second year that I was dyslexic in in secondary school. Um, but she kind of she kind of started that with you know, I it's not that you can't do honors english. She was my english teacher. Um it just means you have to learn in a slightly different um maybe more visual and much more repetitive way. Um, the repetition I found really hard to accept at first but it was just to kind of get through those awful mainstream exam hoops that are hopefully changing for the better Um, so yeah she really helped me figure out kind of what worked for me and once I even heard the word dyslexia and knew what it meant I was less because I was quite a good student so in other subjects, I was used to getting A's. Um, and it really bothered me that I could just never do that in any language subject. Um, and yeah, like hearing, oh, you know, I think you might be dyslexic, just really helped. Um, it made me be absolutely delighted if I was averaging a C in honours. Um, and I even remember getting the odd B like just with her help. Um, kind of I think I had her for like a year and a half she started out as a sub and then was a teacher for a year as well um but then like at the same time French and Irish the same could not be said um and I know part of it is down to my ability but then also a huge chunk of it I do attribute to the teachers um like those teachers would just say oh you know languages clearly aren't for you or you know parent teacher meetings they'd say that I was being lazy or not living up to my potential because if I can get an A in this subject I can get an A in any subject it's not the way it works um but yeah or they'd say I wasn't listening or not trying um so yeah that's definitely something I carried for for a fair fair long time in secondary school um but I do like to think that those teachers didn't know how detrimental their comments would be um and maybe if there's any teachers listening to the podcast um yeah just to maybe reconsider the language they do use um I think it's an incredible job to do and as a teacher you can have a wholly positive or negative effect on the young people you're teaching and so yeah it's it's a huge weight on your shoulders and I think you know let's have a positive impact on these people absolutely Um, but yeah sorry in terms of your question the formal assessment side of things so I actually only recently asked my mom this because I was going on the podcast so as far as I know I was never in primary set like told that I should go for an assessment nothing like that um I I think I definitely remember a test that long and as far as my mom knows definitely not um I think that was probably because I kind of managed to skate by so like I would have averaged maybe a six out of ten in spelling so it wasn't the worst um so maybe I slipped under the radar um my reading as well like was just quite slow but good because like my dad would have bought me a million books as a kid like every nearly every Friday he'd come home with a new book um and then like just in terms of getting extra supports at home my mom is dyslexic too um her dyslexia is is a good bit more severe than mine um and she would have just spent uh, like hours with me on my homework um every evening so yeah and like she was just real patient and um you know would have come up with lots of different tips and tricks for for learning rivers mountains all that kind of stuff um so yeah I don't know if it was like if in primary school if I ever got recommended to go for an assessment but if I did my parents might have said no um I know like my mom never wanted me to be dyslexic um and she saw me getting on fine in school, so I'd say she just didn't want that label, or it could have also been the money barrier, um, because that would have been fairly tight back then as well.
0: And you, you said that was a positive when you found out. We sometimes have conversations with teachers or policymakers or the general public who say, well, "What is the value of seeing the word dyslexia? Why not just?" Yeah. Do- call it someone who struggles with reading what's your opinion on that
2: um like honestly i wish nothing more than to have gotten that assessment or even just that conversation but mostly i do want wish i had the assessment in primary um i think the frustration i had like you know in all of those kind of differential aptitude tests i would be getting 95 and above in most of the categories, and then never anything more than kind of 60, 65, and spelling and reading and I can't remember the third language-related one, um, and just even understanding that that was the most I would ever get, and that that's okay, and not to be measuring myself against my peers um I think it would have really helped with my confidence I do remember in secondary school I think it was differential aptitude tests or something and being delighted with my 60% you know um whereas in primary I just kind of was tortured like learning 10 spellings the night before and then all that time like it may and you know two hours later may as well be two years later when it comes to spelling Mm -hmm. um at that age anyway, um have gotten a lot better at spelling <laughs> as the years go by. But yeah. And it would be
1: great um, to get an insight, I suppose, into like I suppose like that, your 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 journey through education and and the different kind of tips or resources that you found helpful. Um and even just reflecting back there, do you know, like you said, even the words of of a teacher or an educator saying not living up to your potential and kind of creating this narrative or, or, or even expectation around what you have to be at and you know that space around understanding your own learning profile and your own strengths and the, the areas that you need support um yeah. but I suppose I, I have the advantage of hearing a little bit about the insight of, of your own story Garnier, but about maybe a little bit more it'd be great for the listeners to understand of what did um that particular teacher um, and again, like you said, a teacher kind of without the assessment had an indication that there was something there that could be looked at further. Was there anything there specifically that she did that was quite helpful or, you know, um, supported you from where you were at?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the first big thing was she changed her tact on, you know, she never used language like she used. Kind of positive reinforcement and <laughs> sounds like a you know army but uh like the repetition so if everyone else in the class got their essays marked once and maybe revised once we got ours like there was one other girl in the class as well so that also helped it wasn't just me on my own and um, we got ours corrected five and six times and she kind of introduced me to the thesaurus um which kind of became my best friend (laughs) um she really encouraged me with like she knew I had the creative stories in my head and um yeah just massively helped me get them onto paper she yeah I think I said like she was a sub at at first um so she was fresh out of college but obviously had an interest in dyslexia as well um so myself and this other girl in my class she would help us like in the morning before school or at lunch or after school like she was just always there for us um, and definitely not getting paid extra for it and um, just giving up her free time to help us and like to keep she she knew we both wanted to stay in honours like I was very happy to not to honors Irish and French um but we both kind of had the motivation there and really I don't know like she I suppose empowered us um to really believe in ourselves and yeah I don't know I'd love to go back and say it to her I did actually see her years later like um with she was like pushing a little baby in a pram crossing the spire and i just wanted to run up to her and be like you had such a big impact on my life <laughs> um but i didn't <laughs> i'm sure maybe she's listening i don't know
0: um we can try and track her down if you want
2: yeah <laughs> i i could i could go back to school but i don't know actually hope she's not listening because i've totally just bad mouths to irish and french teachers
0: <laughs> um we saying there about I think your terminology was the awful exam hoops, and uh, for for some people might be aware there's a imminent review of the Leaving Certificate and the senior cycle. What are your thoughts about what a good outcome of that process would be, Grania?
2: I think if the pandemic has taught anything, it's that students want more continuous assessment, um, and you know, secondary school in particular the leaving cycle like they are nearly adults so you know you need to prepare them for the working world as well as university um and I think exams at least when I was doing them um like I think my leaving cert was 2008 um and I like it's just regurgitation you're you're not a kind of exploring anything um you're not really using your own intuition and brain um I think yeah continuous assessment I'd be a huge huge fan of um in terms of the teachers grading I don't know how I feel about that like that would have scared the absolute i won't curse but out of me in secondary school because um yeah i suppose if i'm really honest as a teenager i didn't have the utmost respect for authority <laughs> um so yeah i would have been worried that bias would have crept into a couple of teachers very small minority but um yeah i don't know um and then just in terms of content, even like redeveloping the curriculum itself, mm. um, like I think politics and society is an incredible example of where the leaving search can go um and what students want to be studying. I think the new course on climate action is mm. like, oh, I just want to, it makes me want to go back and be a teacher, to be honest. <laughs> um and yeah I think if things are are headed in that direction like bringing sustainability into every subject is so important and then just even in terms of resources um nobody wants to hear a teacher read from a textbook same in college nobody wants to hear a lecturer read note after note in monotone like kill me now voice um so yeah like looking at visuals and really encouraging exploration and their own research and I think would be amazing.
1: Yeah,
0: couldn't agree more.
2: Very much so
1: and I think it echoes like you said and I think it's it's an important conversation a lot of different parties and um, I suppose individuals are having now around that conversation like you said Grania, about like teachers marking internal assessment and things because For a young person like that, if they are having a difficult relationship for a teacher with a teacher or feel like they're they're not being understood, uh, it's really, you know, it can have such a, I suppose, a spiral effect in terms of the way we can progress with a more dynamic system as well. So it kind of starts from the conversation space upwards and and ensuring that we're informed and aware, um, but... Yeah, I suppose we with that perspective, Grania, of of having kind of that greater insight from secondary school onwards. I suppose, and obviously being extremely motivated um, and and you know, eager to learn. Like, what was your your journey into to college or university like, and and what supports were there, or what kind of I suppose conversations, um were happening and I suppose I frame that with you know sometimes it's really difficult for a teenager you know who might be getting a lot of support in terms of advocating for them in school or you know developing their own voice was it was it a difficult transition in terms of having those conversations or again a lot of cases the resources can be much better but it'd be great to get your own insight in terms of those transitionary times as well.
2: Yeah Um. so with like kind of the end of secondary school i remember this conversation um with my second year english teacher because she she wanted us i think it was after ty so maybe like start a fifth year she wanted us to to apply for like the note taker and um have a laptop there and like i i kind of just said no um and i really took offense at it which is so ridiculous now um so yeah towards the end of secondary school I didn't actually tell any of my friends that I was dyslexic or like if I if they knew we didn't talk about it um and in terms of supports I remember being told I can't even remember who said it to me someone said like oh you know you'll get this allowance for spelling and you'll just have this little asterisk beside your points and I don't know why but genuinely I was petrified that UCD wouldn't take me with my little asterisk beside my points <laughs> Just so ridiculous now um so yeah I actually didn't avail of any extra supports for the leaving cert um and jeez, if there's any kids listening now, like take whatever you can get. <laughs> it's just the most ridiculous thing. Um, and then same in college, I, I didn't tell anyone. Um, yeah, none at all. So I don't know what supports I could have gotten in college. I, I know friends who are dyslexic um, say that they didn't get a lot. Hopefully that's changing. Um, But for me personally, I think I unfortunately got to a stage where I was maybe a bit embarrassed or I don't know, I I wanted it to be like a secret for myself and not shout it from the rooftops and not need any extra supports, Um, which, yeah, is, I'm very happy to say, changing now. (laughs) Um, but it's taken a long time so I don't know I guess I kind of went through a bit of a roller coaster Um, you know finding out early in secondary school understanding it it being a great empowering thing to then very much shoving it back under the rug and suppressing it and not really wanting it to be a part of me at all and um, to now exploring it a bit more and being grateful for parts of it.
0: really interesting because i've heard a lot of people say that they go through phases of being less or more okay with uh being dyslexic or periods where they might tell colleagues or friends and then close relatives or or close uh family members might not be aware at the same time um and and it's what i take from that is it's okay to 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 have that varying relationship Uh, it might also to do with life stages and phase i mean sometimes Very famous celebrities will talk about dyslexia when they are at the high point of their career. And you can slightly understand why they maybe feel more comfortable at that point. Do you see that when you're aware of other people talking about dyslexia in the wider world, Dear Growner?
2: Yeah, I might actually, you've kind of just given me a little bit of an epiphany there. (laughs) So I think I think actually what happened was like I I came out as gay when I was 15, and that just like took over everything. Um, and it was the most important thing to, you know, be proud of and shout from the rooftops and learn to accept and everything. And like now I'm a very comfortable gay woman, like 17 years later in my own skin. Um, So maybe I have the space to explore dyslexia a bit more now. Um, Whereas in those kind of late teens, early 20s, I definitely didn't. Like it wouldn't have been, yeah, it wouldn't have been anything I had space for because I had a lot going on (laughs) and I think Um, it
1: is like that like granny like you're saying I think it's it's interesting that relationship it comes so closely into identity because as you said it sits with personal struggles it 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 sits with a lack of understanding on other people's parts you know um and that yeah riding that wave can be do you know it's it's i think we speak about it in the dyslexia association when we talk about disclosure and it being around personal choice because there should be no expectation on an individual at any stage you know mm. to be shouting from the rooftops by which you know it's all about where you're at what you're comfortable with and and you know what it's needed for because in a lot of contexts it's it's not required we need to look at more universal Mm. ways of design whether we're talking about education the workplace onwards um i would you have just just bouncing back to to donald's question um and kind of building on it would you have any role models or people that are kind of supporting your own insight into dyslexia on your own learning journey at the moment
2: yeah like i have to say my mom she's just amazing you know um she I think left school when she was 14 and you know always when I was growing up would avoid you know filling in any forms or if she was writing a card she would write it out on a note paper first and then the card and just used to get really frustrated um and then like an amazing thing happened a few years ago she went and did um like one of the um you know, not ECDL, but like a computer course. Um, and then the next year she went back and did a course to be an SMA. And I just think she's amazing. And she's working in St. Michael's house now. And yeah, she's just like such a huge inspiration. Um, and I'm so proud of her. Um, and then two others would definitely be my cousin, Ash, whose dyslexia is like, I would have said, you know, you know, like atypical or whatever you would think, whatever the majority of people think dyslexia is, like with the P's and Q's and B's and D's and all, like that's her dyslexia through and through. But she is one of the craziest, smartest people I know. Um, and she's going to be a child psychologist, which I just think she's so perfect for that job, you know? Um, and she's going to be doing assessments. Like, what better person could there be? Um, And then last but definitely not least, my colleague Richard, who I introduced to through email there a while ago. Um, When I first read uh, an article about kind of the correlation between environmental fields or climate change education and people with dyslexia, I immediately thought of him. Um, So Richard, he he works in clean coasts. Um, and he won't mind me name dropping them because I think he might be on the podcast too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I did have this one amazing teacher in primary. Um. He he actually wrote a book about um like all these different. Uh, what do you call them, like riddles and stuff. Um, but yeah, he, I'm pretty sure knew I was dyslexic and I did like for two years, I got help outside the classroom um, with these three boys who I was just like, why am I here? Like these guys can barely read. <laughs> I was not very kind in my words, I will say, um, but he taught us all these amazing tips and tricks for spelling. So the one I really want to share with you guys is: "Bald Eskimos are under the ice fixing up leaks," which is still how I spell beautiful today. Um, and I just think everyone should know it because there are too many bells rammed together, and it's <laughs> it's not a beautiful word.
0: <laughs> Give us it one more time. What is it? Be-
2: "Bald Eskimos are under the ice fixing up leaks."
0: Very good. I've got that for life now.
2: <laughs> yeah. My my little sister uses it as well. It's it's the only way. Can I ask you guys a question? Is that allowed?
0: (laughs) Never been done before. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh no, New territory. New sorry, I may have a habit of breaking certain molds. Very sorry. You can edit it out if you don't want to answer it, but no, it's very sorry.
0: If I looking forward to the question, I can tell.
2: Excellent. Okay, well, it is It is a tech-related question. So now that I'm kind of exploring dyslexia more so than I have in previous years, um, and in work, like I use the Adobe Suite and the Read Out Loud function, and I've used that for years, um because I'd have to get through kind of a lot of policy docs and snore fast um is there any free version of that that you guys would recommend and is there one that you can change the accent and the voice because <laughs> the robot I'm so done with
0: <laughs> the answer is yes I think to both um increasingly you're talking about with the read out loud some people will be very familiar with that and some listeners might not be but it's essentially anything in electronic text can be turned into a computerized voice and traditionally that was expensive clunky and very hard to listen to but um the advances around that stuff have been maybe in, in two directions one they're, they're, the voices are better more better intonation better expressiveness and there are indeed accents I think on my own laptop here, you you can get various accents of English. You get, I think Karen is Australian, uh, Mo- Moira, I think is Irish. And then I think it's Morag is Scottish. So they've got all these different accents, which are quite nice to switch between. Uh, but the other thing is that more and more of this stuff is built into devices and phones. And so it's a bit more accessible than it used to be where you have to get a expensive CD-ROM and it needed a lot of calibration. And I know on, um, I'm not sure if we can name check particular uh, software, but I mean, people use Microsoft products, people use Apple products, people use Google um, Office products as well. All of those have that read out loud function built in now. And and in fact, I think even uh, in a meeting this morning, we were talking about how the recent version of Word has the read out loud on the review drop down, you know, next to spell check. So it's... And it's so useful for lots of things and for lots of people, irrespective of if they have uh, dyslexia. Um, just to sort of listen back, to proofread things, it's quite helpful to, to, to do that. So so yeah, it is built in to, to more stuff. And it's quite empowering, I think, especially for young people, because it's them finding their own solutions without it being you know, foisted upon them, a bit like your ex- explanation of how you felt when it was suggested you had help with exams. If it's if just a normal way of working and it's, there's no stigma, there's no cost involved, then it's a bit of a game changer. Mm. I don't know if, Ifa, if you know of other things that are...
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's really like you said, Donald, because I think when we talk about technology, it's such a transformative tool for so many people. But the way it's approached, like we talk about universal design for learning and access within us, shapes and fields and things like that. But it is maybe to navigate that space carefully if if you're going in initially because there will always be people making a profit from that space. So you're you're looking for your free and you're looking for your inbuilt because they do exist. Like Donald said, we have like a couple of tutorial videos um, that are being updated on a daily basis, but navigate trial and error what might work for you would be very different for someone else. So it's just being able to hash that out, but knowing that there's very, very often the options to be able to trial something with uh, an Irish accent um, if you are trying to get through a tedious document or trying to find a different way of approaching maybe something that might be you know, in that traditional document format that might be the deterrent because yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's transformative. It really is.
2: Amazing. Yeah. I'll definitely have have now Google and a look at your uh, YouTube videos. Thanks a So
1: just from everybody in Dyslexia Ireland, a huge, huge thank you to you, Branya. Um As a reference to the conversation, um, there's been some great insights there, um, perspectives that we can take on board, and you know, just hearing your own journey with such empathy um, and compassion um, and reflective thinking, I think, is always a good one. So, um, but yeah, Thank you so much.